with you in a second. <laughs> yeah. Well played. Well played. <laughs> you ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Hey, where I'm, uh, now look. Here's a house full of bees. You think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I Either and I was watching uh, Spaceballs the other night, <laughs> and <laughs> Barf is <laughs> Barf is rocking out in the back of the RV. Oh my god! And because uh, the boy wanted to watch it, so we right. watched it all the f- damn time. And I was like, God damn, this is a good song. And so I went back and uh, looked at that album, Slippery When Wet. Yeah, John Bon Jovi or Bon Jovi, I guess. And. Uh, it's a weird fucking album mm-hmm. with, yeah, like arguably, in my opinion, two good songs on it. it there's uh, Wanted Dead or Alive. Well, yeah. no, wait, wait. There's um, Wanted Dead or Alive is okay. I don't, yeah, it's not the best. It's uh, cheesy. There's a, a total slammer. Oh, man, I'm blanking on it. It's the second song in the album, is it? The second hit they had because the, the first hit was You Give Love a Bad Name is on that album. No. Was that the album before? That's right. That's on. 7,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, that was their first album. <laughs> okay. But it does have, what's the mega hit? Living on a Prayer. Living on a Prayer. Yes. Dang. Good Which song. is a great song. Yeah. But it's kind of entering, you know, Stairway to Heaven territory <laughs> for me right now. It's like, I get it. It's awesome. Let's, let's move but... on. Let's move on. <laughs> but that song, Raise Your Hands, is overlooked, in my opinion. A potential summertime jam, I got to say. I mean, oh, yeah. Hear that cranking in the backyard, grilling with some dudes. 100%. Yeah. I, I listened to it like five times since I saw the movie. I'm like, God damn, this is a good song. Dude, I forgot that was in Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest movies ever made. Oh, man. I've been getting my fill of it lately, but it's cool. I'm still enjoying it. Man, we ain't found shit. <laughs> God dang. I got to rewatch if I that. Get, I got to get the, uh, what's the bumper sticker say on, oh yeah. Because <laughs> we've been in the market for uh, motorhome lately. Yeah. And uh, the no motorhome will be complete without a our, I, our, I heart Uranus <laughs> bumper sticker <laughs> on the back. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So uh, I 
We rewatched. I've been trying to rewatch the classics with Frankie, or like you know, we keep thinking of and new that, classics. New, yeah, new classics. Like, so not we, like Casablanca. No, no. So like, <laughs> we started with the classics from you know that I grew up on, like Jaws, um, Platoon, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Full Metal yeah, Jacket. All those <laughs> family friendly <laughs> hits. Nah, Indiana Jones. He went and saw the new one in the theater, and he was he was amped, but. Um, I can't my, get my, my boy to watch that one yet. Yeah. It's too scary. Yeah. My wife decided she's like, oh, she watched uh, Napoleon Dynamite. I was like, it's a little kind of esoteric. I don't think you know, the humor, <laughs> you might get kind of lost in that. And we watched it. <clears throat> That's kind of how I watch movies. I just kind of pace around in the back and make cutting comments. And <laughs> But I remember and this is going to make probably some people irritated and makes me not cool. But <laughs> we got like... 20 minutes into the movie, and it just dawned on me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I never thought it was funny. I remember everyone was, like, doing the imitations all the time. Like, I was like, I'm so sick of hearing that voice. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we stick mainly to uh, comedies. He, he'll do Karate Kid, but that's about as, as scary a movie as he, pretty can, good. he can do. Yeah. Um, which is not a bad movie. Ralph Macchio is a good actor. Yeah. yeah. Have you watched the new one? Uh, I've watched a little bit of it. Yeah. The, Not crazy about it. Yeah, it's all right. It's nice to see uh, you a pen. Uh, I'm sure I can find one. Oh, here I go. Yep. Sorry. Got to pay some bills or something real quick? Yeah, I just got to sign this check. <laughs> uh, we have a friend uh, whose daughter, uh, they, they let her watch... Um, and anything. She's probably seven. Wow. And they just explain it all to her. But they watch, like, he was telling me they watched Sicario the other night. Dang. With her. <laughs> I was like, whoa. I can't get my son to watch, like, The Incredibles. Wow. Because it's too scary. I, I grew up, I remember I had a deal with my mom. She said, if you can keep your grades up, which I mostly did not do at the time. But, I, I mean, I'm talking, like, fourth grade maybe yeah and i was way into horror movies oh and, wow yeah and she was going to school at the time for psychology and like so <laughs> deviant psychology was like fascinating i used to like go through her textbooks uh-huh. uh, actually it's kind of funny we're gonna get into some of that later on <laughs> but uh i remember every friday night renting a horror movie nice so like texas chainsaw massacre was like yeah. the one that stuck my Oof. probably my favorite movie of all time but Basket Case, like Evil Dead, Dawn of the Dead, like just stuff that I don't think my son would be into it. I can't do it. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I still to this day can't watch that shit. Yeah, I watched horror movies and read Stephen King all week. <laughs> I just started. Do you ever read the The Stand by Stephen King? Yes. Uh, I just I took my son to the bookstore. We had like a Father Sunday. I was like, "Why don't we go get you some new books?" And I was like, "I want to maybe I'll buy some books." I was like, I want to reread The Stand. I haven't read that since I was probably like 15 or 16. And um, <clears throat> and I wanted to read The Art of War. And so I walked in there, and, and then uh, <laughs> I told you this, this girl was there at the computer. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I was wondering, um, could you help me find two books? And she goes, oh, I'm just kind of clocking out for my lunch break right now. And she right. just walked off. I'm like, guess I'll find it online. Thanks for your help. But I've been reading The Stand since then, which is kind of actually related to some of the stuff that I was going to talk about today. But that book, the book is fascinating. It's such a good book. Still, I've read that book probably 
seven, eight times. I used to read it like every summer. That fucking attitude is fascinating to me. It is. God, I hate that. Like, you realize you're just throwing away this job, but you don't care. This yeah. job, you could take this job. Yeah. Really. And not that I really cared when I was a kid either, I guess. But That's the first thing I thought. I was like, she's got to be 20. Like, would I have done the same thing? Like, good possibility I would yeah. have. Just like, no, I don't attribute value to anything around me. I'm just, I'm just taking resources. I'm not contributing to the world. You know what, though? Why is that? Because I, I think that that's a relatively new phenomenon. I don't think kids 200 years ago were like, oh, fuck it. You know, like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't care if I ruined dad's, uh, you know, carpentry business, like whatever. Right. Or maybe that's it. I mean, if it's your father, it's, you know, something that you care more about. But, <coughs> excuse me. I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have been like that because I started working when I was 14, I think. I uh, worked under the table at a pizza parlor, and I, I remember well, taking it, like, super seriously. I never had a boss who, if they found out I did that, wouldn't just, like, murder me. Get the so, fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I was watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off, speaking of movies, recently, and I started kind of re- jotting down a list in my mind of all the things that are wrong with that movie. And how it's kind of a reflection of why our society is so fucked up. Like, John Hughes Dang. has contributed to a lot of bullshit. I remember when I was a kid, one time my my friend's dad, my friend and I were watching a movie, and his dad walked in, and he's like, oh, what is this, another movie where all the adults are idiots and the kids just, you know, shit all over their parents? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah. You know, it's like exactly what we're watching. And I was like, God, why? Yeah, watching another documentary, Pop. <laughs> exactly. Watching this uh, documentary that we got from the future, 2023. But the uh, it, his, he seemed like this curmudgeon old guy, and like he doesn't realize we're just having fun. But no, he actually was right, the same way that you're right about, oh, just go buy it online, I guess. You yeah. know, and that kid probably doesn't see it. But <laughs> this is symbolic of the disintegration of our society and all of that shit doesn't help. I mean, obviously it's just kind of calling it out as it is. It's not maybe causing it, but it doesn't help. It's not showing how cool Ferris Bueller is because he's doing something to make America great. Yeah. They're showing how cool he is because he's lying to everyone he meets, cheating people, uh, fucking with them in their jobs, getting his, getting Cameron in trouble with his stepdad, who's this evil dick for being like basically just a, a wealthy guy that right. cares about making money to support his family. And that pisses Cameron off. So Cameron's okay with trashing at the end, trashing his fucking Ferrari. Uh, spoiler alert. Sorry if you haven't seen the movie. Um, yeah, I just I started making this list in my head of like, you know what? This movie is kind of fucked up actually. It's the it is showing what the problem with, is with America. I mean, I love it, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> damn, dude, you went deep. I kind of did. <laughs> All right, speaking of what's wrong with America. Oh. Um <laughs> if you're all, if you're ready for this. <laughs> I'm not going to say that joke. <laughs> uh have you heard this? Oh wait, I put it up here on the old screen for you there, pal. You recognize her? I do. That would be one Jean-Pierre. From this, administration, from this administration, we've seen them go after gas stoves, air conditioning units with regulation, refrigerators, washing machines, dishwashers, now water heaters. How many more home appliances will Americans eventually have to replace then because of regulation? So just to be clear, when it comes to water heaters, and uh, it is a, a 
it is uh, it is proposed what has been put forward uh, and if it, it is enacted it would not take it into effect until 2029 so let's not forget that uh, so we want to make sure that we have the facts out there oh, and oh, uh, oh, if and when yeah, it is enacted relax. it's going to help consumers save about 11 billion dollars a year Ooh. that's what the president wants to do he wants to make sure that we lower costs for the American people that's why the Inflation Reduction Act is so important right because it's going to provide <laughs> up to two thousand dollars in credit uh, as it relates to energy. So those are the things that the president is focused on. But again, if enacted, it wouldn't be enacted until 2029. And when it and if it is enacted to add to that, consumers would save eleven billion dollars a year. So my okay. toaster is safe. <laughs> so I'm a little <laughs> skeptical of that math. Well, Let's just say she's right, and it does save consumers eleven billion dollars, eleven point four billion dollars a year is what they're okay. what they're guessing, right? There's a hundred million households in America, so mm-hmm. that breaks down to hundred and ten dollars a year in savings, <laughs> basically nine dollars a month savings for replacing all of for your appliances, replacing your water heater, which costs you. I mean, it, presumably it's not broken right. in 2029, but you got to get rid of it anyways. And that, which goes to what? A, a landfill somewhere? Right, exactly. Remember we used, to tossed, do, we used to take classes in green yes. building, and the first thing they tell you is like, yeah, you can get all these green appliances and things work better. He's like, but that being said, the best thing you can do is make what you already have work. Exactly. It's, otherwise, it ends up in a... It's, I'm sorry. I know they say that, well, we have a recycling... Pro- it goes into the landfill. Trust right. me. Trust me. And the irony, too, of the federal government trying to save us money. <laughs> like, what? You're trying to... How about save your own goddamn money instead of spending it like a drunken sailor? So, let me get this straight. You're almost $33 trillion in debt. <laughs> right. And you want to talk to us about say, on how to save money. Yeah, and... I guarantee you that they're going to save us money by spending more money than yes. we actually save, right? They're yep. going to save consumers $11.4 billion by spending $12 billion yeah. or more. Because if you think about it, a these new water heaters that they're talking about are going to either be uh, electric, obviously, because right. everything electric is great. Everything gas sucks. Where's our electricity come from? Uh, yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> comes from God. <laughs> Um, the, and the gas water heaters that you'd be able to buy would be like a condensing water heater that's mm-hmm. 98% efficient. They're extremely efficient, but they cost on average around 1500 bucks. Right. So you're throwing away a but water you're saving heater. nine a month. <laughs> exactly. So where does that money come from? So now I have to spend $1,500 and I have to have someone install it. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're spending probably 2,500 bucks right. on this new, and I'm thinking, Obviously, the answer is no, 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 no. The government will pay for it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Okay, really? What? Does the government have a job that I don't know about where they're making money? They do. They have it's, a revenue collecting service. Yes, they have <laughs> they're, a... And they're extremely efficient they also have at a, that part. They have a counterfeiting business. <laughs> they yes. will just... So, they're going to steal your money, mm-hmm. either through printing it or by just taxing you. Right. Right? Then wastefully spend it on you get, forcing you to buy this new shit you don't need water heater that's going to save you nine dollars a month afterwards. No, eleven point four billion. Oh right, right, exactly, exactly. Fuck off. I also love the first thing I noticed in that clip is the guy is like, "Hey, what's up with this new program?" Doesn't sound like a best idea. And she goes, and she starts out saying like, "It is. It's going to save people this much." And like, but 
Besides, don't worry about it. It's not yeah. coming till 2029. You're like, so is it a good idea or not? Waffling back and forth there. Yeah, uh, exactly. You're admitting that <laughs> yes. if it came tomorrow, yeah. it would be, it well, would suck. We don't need to stress about it now. It's not till 2029. Like, yeah. Well, if it's well, a good so idea, we'll, like, let's do it right now. Right. Right. No, we don't need to stress about it now. We'll stress about it in 2029. I'm yeah, not going to kick you in the balls till 2029. <laughs> yeah. so oh, just quit fucking worrying Phew. about it. <laughs> Dude, but if you knew you, you had do a, need this. <laughs> if you knew you had a kick in the balls coming in 2029, <laughs> it's been six years. Here's distressing. Fuck. I can't put this off any longer. Oh I figured the conversation would go there. It always does. It always does. Um, did you hear about what happened in uh, Reedley, California? This just happened. No. Okay. I got another one for you. Reedley? Yeah. I don't even know where that is. Um, why won't this link work? Um, it's near Fresno. Okay. And in this town, just found out today that the, where'd the video go? Fucking internet. Can you just give me the video or the recipe or whatever it is that I'm looking for instead of making me go through I've been in government for 25 years. I've never seen go. anything like this. First at 11, this one is tough to believe. An investigation tonight into a possible illegal medical lab. It was operating out of an abandoned warehouse in Reedley. Inside, mice bioengineered to incubate the COVID-19 virus. <laughs> the lab was discovered near I and 9th Streets. 30 refrigerators and freezers, some broken, were found filled with bodily fluids. Health officials tell us they are shocked at the biological house of horror. CBS 47's Juanita Adame live Man, in studio with the shocking hobbies. details tonight. Well, Brian, this story is so complicated. There are local, state, and federal agencies all involved. Now, what prompted this investigation was a simple garden hose that was illegally attached and coming out of the back of a building. It was back in April inside this abandoned warehouse in Reedley that a discovery warehouse. so shocking was made that it left local health officials stunned. This is a, a truly unusual situation. I've been in government for 25 years. I've never seen anything like this. I never have seen this in my 26-year career with the county of Fresno. What was supposed to be an empty building used only for... So what were they doing exactly? They're so there was this company called... Um, Let's see, let me go back and find it. Anyways, this company that was doing, that was making um, COVID tests. They were making COVID yes. tests. Yes. So they used to have a facility, but it burnt in Fresno, but it burned down. Uh huh. And then um, they moved into this new warehouse, which is supposed to be abandoned. Yeah. Um, they didn't have any. Uh, any right to be there. Right. They didn't have any permits. They were operating completely under the radar. They had no contracts with any disposal company. So all of this like medical testing and shit that they were doing, they were just like disposing of it. Like, however, like in the, in the garbage, I guess like every, every week. Hear me out. Just counterpoint. Okay. Obviously this is very sketchy. Uh, it sounds very dangerous, but the to put yourself inside the head of the guy who started this, like I, I begrudgingly admirable about it. Guy like, fuck it, 
let's start a medical company and just goes into a warehouse and starts like making shit. It's insane. Pretty How do you make stuff that, what do you do with that stuff then? Do you like fabricate the packaging of it and whatnot? So this kind of reminds me of the news story that I brought up a couple episodes ago with uh, Carly uh, Russell, Russell, yeah. who got arrested <laughs> and now is now getting now is gonna be fined i think yeah for, i thought misdemeanor was the appropriate uh right. penalty you know because the level of entertainment versus how many people were hurt in it that ratio is what determines not, whether you get a not, felony not or everything was all yes, bad yes. totally so Excellent yeah point. Thought, yeah she was a couple of fine good enough you know do it do it, do it again in a couple of years i don't care There's a couple podcasts <laughs> that had a field day with this so uh, <laughs> the universe bounced itself out uh, let's see. Prestige Biotech, based in Las Vegas. Good name. Yes. Uh, <laughs> was the successor to Universal Meditech, a former Fresno-based medical equipment manufacturer, which went bankrupt. So I think what this is, and I want to pay attention to where this goes, because... <laughs> I, the reason we're going bankrupt for paying for all this commercial office space. <laughs> people are saying, saying shit about this, like being a Chinese kind of operation uh-huh. and stuff, because they, they had COVID going in there. They had herpes going in there. They had uh, fucking, uh, what's the... Uh, Bad bacteria infection, salmonella. Salmonella. They had all these like diseases in this place. This is basically a like bio weapons lab in the middle of this town near Fresno. That it's either something really malicious by bad actors, right? Or it's like you said, these guys they they're like went out of business. But it's like, well, it's like you and me. Like we go out of business. Yeah. The next day we're gonna be like working under the table. Right. If we lose our exactly. licenses or something. Still gonna go do carpentry for someone somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> right? This guy's like, well, I, all I know how to do is make medical make equipment, bio weapons. That's all I know how to do. <laughs> and you're not, from my cold dead hands, you will take this product. Storage was home to an unauthorized lab testing facility. Something no one had even conceived of. We um, reach out to our local public health directors throughout the state, um, California, and there's really nobody has really expressed this type type of interaction with a unlicensed lab. So it is something new. The discovery was made after a local code enforcement <laughs> officer noticed this garden hose poking out a back wall of the building. Frankly, uh, we knew that Damn that shouldn't the be hose. there. And when she went to go investigate, she found that there was activity or operation or something happening within that building. The city then obtained several search warrants to enter the building. Once inside, no staff was located, but... There was a special room that was built housing about a thousand mice. Those a thousand eyes. white lab mice. And the reason... Thousand mice were in the lab was jaw-dropping through their statements um, that they were doing some um, some testing on laboratory mice there that would help them support um, developing the COVID test kits that they had on site. Documents show the lab was also being used to produce pregnancy tests. <laughs> 200 of the nearly 1,000 mice were already dead. According to court documents, all the rodents were being caged in, quote, inhumane conditions. Also found <laughs> thousands of vials, many of which contained biohazards, materials including human blood, unidentified tissue, and other unknown substances. Oh, A lot of these are being classified under unknown chemicals. Labels had been removed from bottles, so there was only certain testing we could do to those chemicals. According to court documents, experts determined that at least 20 potentially infectious, viral, bacterial, and parasitic agents were 20. being stored inadequately, wow, including E. coli, e- malaria, e- and e- even COVID. The city of Reedley yeah. immediately called in the CDC, the FBI, the California Department of Public Health, and the Fresno County Department of Public Health. 
I think because of that, that swift action that, that was taken, we really have been able to maintain it. public safety this entire Does that seem more like somebody doing what we would do, the carpentry under the table thing, making medical equipment? I mean, how do you sell mm. medical equi- equipment to somebody? I mean, if you're in the industry, I guess you know how to sell it. But if you're just working out of, like, your garage, right. do you just show up with a pickup truck full of tests and be like, hey, buddy, you want to buy these tests? Like, how does that actually work? Or does it seem more like that was a very maliciously minded person that was doing that? 20 different infectious diseases in there. I'm kind of going with number two, I think, at this right? point. Yeah. So... We don't have to play the rest. I think we should pay attention to this, though, and just see where it goes. This- and also just, uh, I know this isn't the point of the story, but um, if you are going to take mice and perform medical experiments on them, mm-hmm. put them in humane for, conditions. Uh, for, for God's sake. sake. I mean, this is the I, 90s. Can we Jesus. get with the program? Can you not have a soul? <laughs> Crazy, huh? Yeah, that is, uh, that one did not land on my radar. I think it just happened yesterday. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. The fucking garden hose. That guy's kicking himself. I, dude, it's it. I know I have like mixed emotions about this because, given that it's not number two, I can appreciate this guy's. You're talking about poop? <laughs> no, oh. <laughs> entrepreneur, <laughs> entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. And then I also the fact that uh, it's just a code enforcement guy looking around for problems and how to bust people. I'm like, totally. Fuck that guy. I know. I know. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, know. I don't know whose side I'm, I'm on. I'm having right mixed now. feelings myself, dude. <laughs> yes. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. Um, you heard that uh, Sam Bankman-Fried is getting off with Scott Free. Yeah. Yeah. God, I thought did, did, was he, he I thought he broke the law though. Yeah. But did I can't remember. There was someone that was gonna give a billion dollars to the Democratic Party this next election. Hmm. I can't remember. Was it him? I think the name was really, really was it similar. Sam Bankman Freed? That that's the name I was looking for. Is this the huh. same guy? I think so. Okay, interesting. Do you think those two things are related? No. Couldn't be. <laughs> Coincidence. Nah. What the fuck? Yeah, speaking of uh, democratically connected people getting off the hook, you heard about, uh, you heard that Joe Biden has a son named Hunter? Uh, yes. Okay. I actually have something to say on this matter. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to step on your toes with this, but uh, I'll just uh, talk about the judge that kind of smacked him down yeah, recently. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> it was so... So give, awesome. me the, give me the details. I only know like the very. So what happened was it was, the, a, it was like a plea deal that he had. He had this plea deal in place, right? Right. And the night before, they went into court to uh, tell the judge that the Department of Justice had decided to settle uh, this plea deal with Hunter Biden for unpaid taxes, and that he was just going to get like a misdemeanor, mm-hmm. unpaid tax slap on the wrist, right? Um, the the night before that, which is like that that well, I guess I'll tell you that after I tell okay. you what happened the night before. The night before, somebody of his legal team, mm-hmm. Hunter's legal team, called the judge, pretended to be a Republican attorney. <laughs> I did not hear about this. Probably like, fully like disguising their voice, like, "Oh, uh, hey, judge, this is uh, one of those Republican lawyers." <laughs> Man, I no, hate- I'm not calling about the "Don't Say Gay" bill. I'm calling about <laughs> something else. All of a sudden, boy, I sure hate those colored folks, don't you? 
and tried to get the uh, the judge to strike testimony from the case, saying we don't want the whistle one of the whistleblowers te- testimony uh, included in the case after all. Okay, like saying like you know I know that we were the ones that initially uh, wanted it included, but we changed our mind. We want you to um, exclude that from the case. <laughs> I did not hear about that. And the judge was like. Uh, I don't think so. Like your, your, your voice sounds a little, uh, cheesy to me. I think that the, the decoder or whatever you're using to talk through isn't legit. The person hangs up. Raymond, is that you? The, what? The, no. Who's Raymond? Dude, the judge star 69's the call. No. <laughs> and finds out that it was Hunter Biden's attorneys. Oh my God. The so- judge herself traced the call. Back to Hunter Biden's attorney. That is hilarious. That in and of itself, it's kind of like we say all the time. Like if you're lying about one thing, yeah, you're lying about everything, right? right? You're trying to do this, then you're trying to now do. I have who to, knows what? Now I have to question everything. Exactly. That you're saying. So the next day, they come in with this plea deal, and the judge is like, "Let me uh, take a look at that plea deal," and the plea deal basically got him off the hook for any crimes going forward that could ever come up. Wow. Which is like unprecedented. Right. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Apparently. I don't know this. I'm I was accepted to law school, but I never attended. So I'm just giving you kind of my my expert opinion. Gotcha. But it only goes so far. Hey, close enough. Yeah. So uh yeah, so it was just this awesome smackdown. And not because it was a it was a victory for American justice, in my opinion. Yeah. Because everybody in America, including the judge, were about to get fucked over because there was this blanket immunity being given to this yeah. guy. Why? I don't know. Just probably because he's a good guy uh, and he's no. never done anything wrong. Because we live in a caste and, system. Yeah, exactly. So that's, uh, you know, it's just the same shit that it's we just, it's just keep like, hearing, you know, justice for me and... Not for thee. Prison for thee. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah, as we talked about on a couple episodes ago, I mean, you know, there was that uh, I got some pushback on the cocaine story. I'm like, I don't, I don't care who uses cocaine; doesn't matter to me anymore. What What does bother me is just this is this overt, glaring examples that we live in a politically connected caste system. There's the plebes, and there's the people that don't have to suffer any of the consequences, and they're the most criminally and the most corrupt people in our society. And that's what drives me crazy. It's like you, you guys have aggressively hunted down every single person and found them that was involved in the January 6th man. Not the pipe bomber. <laughs> not not yeah, Ray Epps. Yeah, yeah, not. <laughs> I was like, but you guys can't figure out who left cocaine in the White House. Like, do you really care about cocaine that much? Like, no. But this is guy, whoever, let's just, it's Hunter Biden, I'm guessing, or could be Kamala Harris. I got an update for that okay. on, on that for you. Are we looking at Newsom 2024? We are. I I actually been looking into this. I a need to bit tweak too. my uh, previous uh, scenario a little bit. I think I know where you're going. Go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna let you do it. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, Biden's gonna pull a Mitch McConnell mm-hmm. before you know sometime soon. Another. <laughs> he's he's pulled several Mitch McConnells. In case you don't know what we're talking about. And I don't, I don't have, have it pulled up, but America's favorite turtle just like complete froze up. He was in the <laughs> mid sentence. He was standing at a press conference at the podium talking. He's like, and then we got to 
Yeah, just just he just the lights powered went out. out. Yeah. yeah, like somebody unplugged him. It was crazy. So yeah, that's gonna happen to Biden. Kamala will take over as president. Gavin Newsom will get appointed vice president. Mm-hmm. And then, ah. then Kamala's corruption comes out and she has to resign. Okay. Interesting. So a little bit, little, too, little bit different. Same scenario, same result. But uh, I, I heard a different take. Um, I, hope, I hope we don't slaughter this too much. But it has to do, and it's too inside baseball politics for me to understand the, the mechanisms for the technicalities of like how these things work. But if they, if they can get past the primary, it's easier to appoint someone. So someone can get like if Biden got past the primary process, so they don't have to have a primary. Oh yeah, then he can step down, and then they can appoint whoever to take his place. Something like that. Yeah, that makes sense uh, because at at this point, if he steps down now, then Kamala would have to. She still have to run in the Democratic for the Democratic nomination. She would not win. No, no, probably not. So they need to keep Joe Biden pumped full of enough drugs to just... Well, and the other thing that I heard, too, which makes a lot of sense, is that he can get away with not debating. Yeah. Because he did it before. We'll call all he's of just us- too old. He's just... He's the president. The president is not going to stoop to the level of... <laughs> but not Kamala Harris. Oh, she just keeps she's, talking, baby. She's got to be a... She's got to debate. There's no way they're going to let her not debate. She has no problem talking, too. I mean, she just... She loves to put them together into a microphone. It's amazing. Let me start by saying this. I am a product of a public school education. <laughs> We're not real? <laughs> I was sharing with some of the teachers earlier. My first grade teacher, Mrs. Frances Wilson, God rest her soul, so high. attended yeah. my law school graduation. I am a product <laughs> of teachers and an educational system. Tell me she is not drunk, drunk, right? In providing the children with the full expanse of information that allowed them to then and encouraged them to then reach their own conclusions and exercise critical thought (laughs) in a way that was directly intended to nurture their leadership. I am fully aware that it is because of that approach that I stand before you as Vice President of the United States of America. (laughs) She is the best. She sounds like she should be on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, lady. Three sheets to the wind. Dude, I don't think it's going to be hard for them to get her to resign. No, she is not a sharp, you know, political, no, you know, no, no, player. No. There, you know, she's a, no governor hair gel, as I heard Sam Harris call him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a psychological phenomenon for really stupid people that talk a lot, mm. and I can't remember what it is, but yes, she definitely. Is, I uh, know the poster child for it's a defense a mechanism, right, to cover over yeah. like the you allowing you any time to kind of right. Just keep talking. Crack, put cracks into their facade. Yeah. And yeah. As we always say, it's like when you meet someone like that, like, yeah, just let, them, let it rip. Let them keep talking. Totally. Let me know it's my turn. I'll just let you kind of keep digging. digging. I don't think it's going to be hard for them to, <laughs> no. to get her to resign. No, and she is like some of the lowest approval rating of anyone in her position in a really long well, time. And she's always on drugs. Yeah. They found cocaine near her car. They're painting this picture. And I... 
if you guys, you guys that are listening can't see this video, but go watch this video, her talking about public schools. It is clear as day that she is drunk. I was around or on drugs. I was around a bunch of really drunk adults last night. They, that's how they acted. <laughs> that's, how they, that's how they talk. Usually when you're drunk, you can't tell. Dude, I other people are drunk. I officially, these people were all, they were family members and they're all older than me. Ah, and I, just, I told my wife, I'm like, are we getting old? I was like, it's just, it's just a little too loud in here. Like, I, I, <laughs> I'm gonna go back home and read for a little bit. You should, what you should have done was gone on next door and complained about all the people <laughs> next next door. That'd be good. <laughs> break music yeah not bad switch it up yeah hey i like that yeah thanks i like the old one too but that one's good yeah you gotta mix it up a little you know not bad not bad i'm guessing so i would like to talk about several different things i will okay (laughs) you already (laughs) forgot (laughs) what was that thing you just said all right fine i'll do it uh you can support us by visiting our patreon page uh leave a rate and review the podcast if you could visit our you we're not on youtube anymore are we mm, i think we are go to the instagram and our website libertytreelifestyle.com where you can find the latest in subversive anti-authority merch i guess best way to put that we did get a message that on patreon it was hard to find our page it's the liberty tree social club oh okay so search for that um, but, uh, it's possible that we're being kind of hidden, which is fine. Yo, shadow ban. Yeah, that's all right. As soon as we get out into the light, they're going to cancel us anyways. So. <laughs> uh, half of me looks forward to that day. Me too. Yeah. So I'd like to talk about the CIA, MK Ultra, Clown World, Trauma-Based Mind Control, Forced Behavioral Modification, The Next Plandemic. And Alice in Wonderland. Nice. Mm-hmm. And besides Alice in Wonderland, these are all things that we talked about before, but I put them together in one nice, concise package. Excellent. For your listening pleasure. But before we get into that, I'd like to talk about scenic, beautiful. I wish we had the Wayne's World, like uh, Red Bluff, California. <laughs> Delaware. <laughs> Hi, I'm in Red Bluff. Uh, you ever been? Red Bluff? Yeah. My, uh, my stepsister lives there, so I've been there a bunch. Really? Uh-huh. Um, okay. Wow. That's, that's interesting. It's not so, that far away. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that interesting? Well, I guess I can't do this section then. <laughs> uh, do you know what Red Bluff is known for? What's re- what comes to mind with Red Bluff? Uh, it's rural. Very. Um, 
rodeos? Rodeos, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, they did make a little bit of waves uh, pushing against the COVID pandemic. And oh, like, right, right. Mandates on lockdowns with That's the right. sheriff saying, like, no, we're not enforcing this. And then, then the usual ensuing articles about Trump country and super spreaders and grandma killers. I wouldn't be shocked if you had a few listeners. <clears throat> Good old Red Bluff. It is a lovely part of the state. It is, indeed. Um, but here's what Red Bluff is actually known for. <laughs> now, this is something the other <laughs> tour guides won't tell you. I happened to read a book about this in high school, and which became a glaring example in my life of why the things that I learned on my own were so much more useful than what I learned while I was in school, right? If I could go back to reading horror books and horror movies growing up. Yeah. In 1977, a woman named Colleen Stan, 20 years old at the time, was hitchhiking from Eugene, Oregon, and she was going to visit, visit a friend in Northern California at the time. And she was going to, it was a surprise for her birthday, right? So Colleen Stan was, at, that, at this time, 77, hitchhiking. We don't see it much these days, so back then, everyone hitchhiked all the time. Right. And Colleen Stan hitchhiked everywhere. She was considered a very, like, savvy, a very aware, a very like cautious hitchhiker, uh, so much so that um, as she was hitchhiking on this day, she let several cars go by. She goes, no, nah, not feeling it, not feeling it. And it was kind of like the Uber of its day, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and eventually this blue van pulls up, and there's a fan. <laughs> come on. What, what is her name? Colleen Stan. Colleen, come on, not, Colleen. Not, 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 With a family inside. All right. So all right. a man, a husband, and they're holding, I don't care. They're holding a baby. 1977 van. <laughs> this van was driven by one Cameron Hooker, uh, a wood worker from the Red Bluff area. Mm -hmm. uh, they stopped for gas, got gas, and her spidey, you know, scent started kind of tingling. Like, yep. there's just something, like, about these people. But she didn't jump out. And they got back on the road. <clears throat> now, the 70s, as I said, were a boon for hitchhikers, right? Because everyone was hitchhiking. Yeah. Which would also would be a boon for what? Serial killers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or raping. <laughs> <laughs> so your Ed Kempers, your Ted Bundys, your Pee Wee Gaskins at all. <laughs> and so... Cameron Hooker driving Blue Van with his... That's a regular murderer's <laughs> row of serial killers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <clears throat> pulls the van over, holds a knife to her throat, and takes her captive. Now, this is where things get interesting. This isn't the most interesting part of the story. Mm -hmm. But do you know how we took her captive? Because this is what Red Bluff is actually known for. Did he put a knife to her throat? He put a knife to her throat. And how do you restrain her? How do you take her captive? Ooh, let's see. It's Red Bluff. I'm going to go. He lassoed her. No. Darn it. No, 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 no. Are you familiar with the head box? I've heard. Oh, you've told me this story before. <laughs> yeah, I'm God sure. damn it. Here we go. <laughs> if you have kids in the car, this would be a good time to turn. This is where my wife said, what are you talking about on the podcast? I'm like, uh, I think we're going to talk about the head box. She goes, don't do it. Don't uh, do it. Like, you got to do it like a disclaimer or something. But... I'm going somewhere with this. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Possibly. So. Go on. Okay. So you. are certainly going somewhere. So, so you. It's <laughs> 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 rocketing up that <laughs> FBI watch list. Um, so one thing to think about is. 
you have a knack to drive around with random shit in your truck. Like you drove around with that mm-hmm. stump in your truck for I was what six eight months. Well, that's how long it takes to season a stump. So <laughs> yes, are you still sticking to that? <laughs> I, I do the same thing. I'll look in my back seat and like six months later, I'm like, oh, why is that even here? Like, what yeah. was I gonna do with it? I forget why it's here. Um, so one has to ask, why is he driving around with his family with a head box? Okay getting interesting here Mm -hmm. is that when Cameron Hooker got married to his wife, it was a condition of their marriage, a caveat, if you will, that if we're going to get married, we have to be in agreement. We're going to take a sex slave. And his wife goes, okay, like fair enough. And they tied the old matrimonial knot. (sighs) Are there children in this van also? There is a baby. Yes. Okay. So they have a kid and he drives around with the head box and captures Colleen Stan. Takes her back to the house, right? Now, <clears throat> as if this wasn't bizarre enough, this is where the story goes into what the FBI called unparalleled in crime history, right? Because we are going to get into, I'm, t- I'm tying into a larger theme, and we're going through an extremely dark door to get there. Okay. <laughs> is that <clears throat> this is one of the most fascinating studies in psychology that I have ever heard. Because what in the beginning, Colleen Stan was kept in the head box for 23 hours a day. Uh, yeah, I don't think you described what the head box. So the head box is a wooden box with a lock on it that keeps out. Um, it lets in a minimum amount of air, but it keeps out light and sound. So it's complete like sensory deprivation. It's like one of those black hoods that they put on Guantanamo uh, residents. Except and, you can't hear either. Okay. Yeah, the the hoods you can hear through. Right. Which is funny you bring up Guantanamo Bay Mm -hmm. as I'm tying that into this as well. Okay. So she was kept in this head box for 23 hours a day and tortured on a daily basis. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of her torture because you're welcome. Thank you. If you have the stomach for it, number one, get therapy, please. (laughs) And number two, have at it and read away. But after about a year of imprisonment of staying in this head box for 23 hours a day, Colleen Stan was eventually let out by her captors for like a little longer durations of time, right? And then after about a year, so we're talking about like 1978 at this point, the hookers, or mostly Cameron Hooker, had her sign a contract and said like, look, you sign this contract, you're my slave, you're our slave, and I'll let you out and you can start to have like privileges, right? This is where the psychology gets like crazy. She signs the contract, and in the contract, it explicitly states that Cameron Hooker is the master. She's referred to as only K for some reason. No one one really knows why. And then after she signs that contract, this is where it gets crazy. She's allowed to go out and do yard work and go on a jog by herself and watch the kids while Mm -hmm. Cameron Hooker and his wife, like, went out on a date. Yeah. Right? So this is where we, as normal functioning adults, go like, like you're out there doing yard work. And the neighbor said, like, yeah, there's this woman doing yard work. She would just wave and then go back in the house. Mm -hmm. Left by alone, you know, to go for a jog, left alone with a telephone. And at no point after a year made an attempt to escape. Right. She was sufficiently trained. So through through deep psychological torture and exactly, dare I say, mind control. So to do a quick, Recap, she's kidnapped in 1977, kept in a head box. Let's be honest. She was kept in the head box. There's only one head box. (laughs) I'm referring to it as if it's a lawnmower or something. (laughs) What brand uh, was that? Is that the Makita? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are good. Those are good. 
comfortable. <laughs> then after a year, she signs a contract. Uncomfortable. And, yeah, <laughs> it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> so the obvious question, and so in the contract, it has, like, there's one overarching theme in this whole situation in that Cameron Hooker instilled in Colleen Stan, telling her, like, if you ever try to escape or make a phone call or tell the neighbors or, you know what I mean, while we leave you at home alone with our kids, they had a, they had a second kid while she was captive. If you do anything like that, <clears throat> there's something called the company out there. I run the company. I'm the master. And the company, all that torture that we put you through and are still putting you through on a daily basis, the company will do something way worse and will also do to your family. And they instilled this fear in her that this thing called the company existed, this like abstract power structure. And so she was petrified to do anything, right? She spent, you want to guess how long she was in captivity for? I, I can't remember. I, 30 years. No, 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 not that long. Seven. She was released in 1984. They let her go. No, nah, nah, I wouldn't say that. Okay. <laughs> she escaped? Um, no, it gets crazier. She, so she's been missing since 1977, right? Okay. In 1981, she gets permission from the master to go and visit her parents and go stay with her parents for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And her parents are like, yeah, she seemed really out of sorts and like she didn't have any money and she's wearing these like handmade clothes and I don't know. We didn't want to like ask too many questions. And at the end of the weekend, she goes, all right, good to see you guys. Went back to where she was kept in a head box and subjected to horrific torture, like, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. She goes back a second time with her captor, Cameron Hooker, who posed as her boyfriend, and meets the parents. They take a picture together, all of them smiling with their arms around. They go back. He decides, like, that's too much freedom. Builds another box where she stays 23 hours a day under their waterbed for the next three years. She stayed in that box for three years? In that box for three years. She's let out one hour a day. Wow. Yeah, so she has a head box, and then... In another box. So we had she, she didn't get to take the head box off inside the other box? No. Complete sensory deprivation for the next three years. Wow. <clears throat> so I wonder if your brain at that point just kind of... I like where you're going with this. ...shuts <laughs> off of, you know, like the time. Like when you think back, the memories of those three years, does it just seem like... Just one block of just solid, like, five minutes of time. Yeah. Like, it might as well be like, your brain kind of blacks out. Right. Because uh, people black out for a lot of reasons. Right. Yeah, just it's a, being it's a nervous. defense mechanism. Yeah. Right. Like, I wonder if at the end of the day, that's like... I black out when I go to the DMV. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> totally. Huh. Interesting. So, she remained under the bed in this box 23 hours a day for the next three years. And then in 1984, the wife flips out. And drops the dime on Cameron Hooker, her hmm. husband. And they go in there, they discover, and they learn about the whole history of everything. He gets sentenced to 104 years uh, in prison. They almost let him out in 2021 because COVID, which we'll oh. see is, is kind of ironic. <laughs> it was, we'll get to later. Um, that's about it. Interesting, huh? Huh, yeah. yeah. Want to get some lunch? Sure, I'm hungry. <laughs>
What makes this <laughs> what makes this interesting is that not, I'm trying I'm not trying to fulfill some lifelong dream of having like a true crime podcast. Is the psychology of it is interesting, and I was for some reason this popped in my head because I was reading into some other stuff and listening to some podcasts. And as we always talk about this podcast, I'm like the this becomes fascinating is how the psychology of I guess you could say that human brain can operate in such a way that if you are just hearing about this, it's, it makes it impossible to wrap your head around like someone's else's behavior sometimes. Cause we say like, why didn't you yell to the neighbor? Why don't you grab the phone? Like, why don't you just stay at your parents? Like there's something else going on there. Yeah. Right. There's something psychologically going on and the, what caused that process? Well, it made me what think, I really started thinking about what made me th- <clears throat> question would, is that person, Colleen, predisposed to adapt, adapt to that situation mm-hmm. and not, you know, was she the perfect candidate for that situation? Mm-hmm. And would people that were um, much more um, contrarian be more immune to being uh, taken advantage of it's, in that way? It's almost like we planned on talking about this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think, obviously, everyone would like to think that right. that, and not me, you know, that would never happen to me. Yeah. Or like you'd like to be able to think that I could train my kid to be the kind of kid that no matter what, if he came home to visit me, would be like, or would be constantly trying to escape. Hold on a sec. I'm gonna get me um, a beer. Yes. To answer your question. Yes. What? Yes, and. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> What does it take to get a little respect around this place? (laughs) So a classic, so talking about what you just brought up is that's what got my mind spinning. I'm like, what is inside the psyche of someone that, because we all, we all have a level where we will break. Everyone breaks eventually. Mm -hmm. And it's not the same for every single person. Mm -hmm. And so classic example, uh, are you familiar with uh, Stockholm Syndrome? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was 1973. I think bank robbers came in. They took six, six hostages, put them in a vault, and they hold up there. And the hostages began to identify with their, or even like sympathize with their captors, so much so that they refused to testify against them once they were, once they were busted. Yeah. So same kind of like psychological phenomenon. So if you look at the case of Colleen Stan, start to reframe this like within the like notion of a larger par- paradigm, because what we saw is that someone like they had their reality and sense of normalcy, normalcy like completely obliterated so much it like broke their psychological will. And I started reading into these like psychology studies, is like when you put something someone through something that is so horrific. So, like, previously unimaginable, right, which psychologically damages someone so much. And you can replace, you can start to replace the reality with, like, something else, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's, um, in this case, it was the company, right? Right. And I'm sure you can kind of guess where I'm going with (laughs) Right, <laughs> with some of this stuff. Yeah, I mean that's that was kind of the attempts they made in with MK MK Ultra, exactly all those experiments that they ran on people is to try to achieve mind control. Right, and what's interesting is that they never really did, by most accounts, achieve mind control, or maybe did, or did they? <laughs> maybe they did. 
But this is a case of someone that definitely did. Well, think about it like this. So to answer your question, like, did they? It's, well, that seems a little far-fetched. But then you look at this case, I'm like, it seemed to work here. But think about that idea of trauma-based mind control and forced behavior modification and put it on like a gradient, right? And the this can be the most overt thing in the world, like what she, this poor woman went through, right? Just straight up torture, straight up sensory deprivation. It can also be a low-grade thing that people are subjected to mm-hmm. over time, which is what MK Ultra did. They did like, we're going to give them a little bit of acid and turn off the lights. Uh, we're going to give them a lot of acid and physically and sexually abuse them for two weeks straight. <laughs> you know, they're like, what's it going to take? They're, they're like, we're establishing the bookends of what it takes to achieve complete mind control, which is what the MK Ultra programs were about, right? Yeah. So what they also, what you also think about when you look at the, <laughs> the Red Bluff head box story is that you obliterate someone's reality, their sense of normalcy, and you, you break their psychological will to such an extent that things that you thought were normal, right, are granted now to you as privileges. Like, if you comply, you know, while I abuse you, if you don't stay out of line, if you don't try to escape, like, we're going to give you these special privileges. Like, we're going to let you go outside and go for a jog. Mm-hmm. Does this all sound familiar from yeah. the last three years? Fuck. Exactly. You can go shopping. And what's important to not gloss over here is that the integral parts of this inqu- the equation, the way that I see it, is first the complete destruction of like someone's psychological will, and then instilling that constant, like glooming, always present threat. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't do this thing, we're going to go back to how it was. Right, we have this. We have the company out there the that's going to rat on there. you if you're not wearing your mask. This is how trauma-based mind control works, and as you're saying, you know, which they fine-tuned in the CIA's MK Ultra programs in 1953. Don't worry, they stopped it in '73. They're they're not doing anything like that anymore. Yeah, um, rest easy, everybody. We also talked about this is also like a similar phenomenon that we talked about with Operation Gladio in Italy in 1953. Was it, was it 56? Um, but they stopped doing that in 1990. They don't do that anymore either. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, they finally realized how evil they were. So if and they reformed themselves, <laughs> if you, if you were about to ask me, you know, why am I telling you this? Or as my wife would put it, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> well, a couple different things. Like, first, we have to try and wrap our heads around people's irrational behavior, right? So let's think about like where we are, like right now in 2023, right? Is a lot of the stuff that went in on during like the COVID pandemic is you just look around at it. You're like, this like, it's like not making sense. Like you're these people. And I feel like there's so many people whose behavior makes no sense. Like you start to question, like, am I going crazy? Like, am I going nuts that everyone's doing this thing? And I'm just like, not going to buy, I'm not going to buy into the ritual. I'm not going to buy into the, this is all theater. Like, this is like ridiculous is here's step one is, Think about it when you see this irrational behavior, which we did see in the last three years, and we are going to see because we are going to have a ne- another pandemic, which we will get to in a little bit. But when you look over, you're running errands later today, and you look over and there's that woman in her car by herself with a mask on. Don't think mask. Think head box. 
Mm-hmm. Like she's wearing a head box. Like yeah. She, her, she's been psychologically broken. Like yeah. she, it worked. It like they, it, she, her, her will to withstand the psyop like was somewhere between non-existent and like not very strong at all. Like that's what we're seeing. You know, she's wearing that mask. She goes like the company is out there and they can see everything. And I'm, you know, I'm in compliance. I gotta, I gotta be in compliance because I don't want things to go back to like what it could potentially be. Or I don't want to, you know, get punished or whatever it is. Like there's that constant low vibration, like fear grade going on in her head. Making sense? Yeah, totally. I'm just trying to wrap my head around, uh, you know, obviously you and I told the the powers that be to fuck off with their head box. Mm-hmm. At least I did. And um, we are that kind of have that kind of mindset but i wonder if we were kidnapped by well i see i don't even think i would have been able to be kidnapped by uh gary cooper no what's his name (laughs) cameron hooker cameron hooker right um because i'd be armed if i was hitchhiking so (laughs) i don't know it seems like this woman uh was very easy prey Mm -hmm. and the woman sitting standing next to me in line at the grocery store with the mask on is very easy prey. We were just at the store and I was looking into all this stuff this morning. We were just at the store and I saw her there and I looked and there's a couple guys with masks on. I'm mm-hmm. like, head box. <laughs> you were yeah. in a head box. Like, yeah. It's so I almost think like and I I hope I'm I'm or I apologize if I'm wrong, but does this person want to be kidnapped in some small deep twisted way does this person want to be in that situation no like the people that get hypnotized on stage they to some degree want to be hypnotized i don't want to be hypnotized and so i'm right it can't affect me yeah um to answer your question kind of initially no but then right once you break their psychological will it's like yep this is this is my Just new reality. I've do. had my reality replaced. Yeah, because that's, that's the people that wear masks. They want to be mothered or or disciplined by the you know. Yes, sir. Give me more. Kind yes, of. yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> going to get into because I'm fascinated by the psychology of all this stuff, which we talked about yeah. a lot, especially during the COVID pandemic. And it's like, what, what the fuck is wrong with people? Like, do, do they buy this stuff? And it, and it goes further outside of COVID, too, it's in, which we're going to get into. So first thing is, when you see that person wearing the mask, don't get irritated. Don't get angry. Don't go, like, what the fuck? Just, you, you almost have to, like, sympathize with them. You're like, yeah, it's, it's almost like a medical ailment, what's going on in their mind. Like, they, they're, they're broken. They, they're, right. Their brain was broken. So they put on the head box. <laughs> Secondly, if... If us, us, the people who refuse to do the proverbial head box, <laughs> don't take note, and this is where we get into pattern recognition, is if we don't pay attention to these telltale signs and express them to other people, is the techniques used by the company are going to happen again. And if we need to recognize these as like telltale signs, because it is going to happen again. And so if anything we can instill in people basically when we start seeing these same things happen again, like it's going to, it's going in this one direction and we need to pay attention to it. 
right? I'm going to play a clip for you that I think okay. it just ties in. This, it's only 18 seconds long. This is uh, our good buddy, Sam Harris. Won't. And I get that many people are still seeing this all through the lens of COVID. In some ways, I am too, just from the other side. As I've said many times before, I view COVID as a failed dress rehearsal for something far worse. You said yeah. it, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with that guy very often. <laughs> so would you turn on your TV and see that, you know, slick back, psychotic California U-Haul salesman of the year, <laughs> Gavin Newsom, or when you see Anthony Fauci or any politician representative of the WHO, the CDC, pretty much anyone in power, don't think politician, think hooker family, right? Mm-hmm. Think of Cameron Hooker driving around with his family in that sketchy blue van with that head box sliding around the back. That's what you need to think of when you start hearing like the first grumblings of like, there's this, no, it looks like there's this weird vi- monkey pox. You know, they're going to find the next yeah. one that's going to catch on. Envision the head box. Read the book. I think it's called Girl in the Box. <laughs> App title, oh, by the way. Yeah. What's it about? <laughs> <laughs> so remember that we used to talk about, like, remember how easily they pulled off the lockdowns? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what, what are the seven things that we used it to It was like? almost like people were sitting around and they said, and they were just like, had nothing to do. And all of a sudden they hear that on the news and they go... Did you say lockdowns? <laughs> Let's go. And then it was like everyone, you know what it was? Everyone wanted, there's a certain kind of like electricity that happens in the air. Like, right. you know, when the fires happen yeah. here and everyone kind of stops their normal activity. Yeah. They band together. They help each other. There's this danger out there. There's this fear. And it's kind of an exciting feeling. Yeah, it's primate brain. And when the when the lockdowns came, it was that same thing. Everyone just latched onto it, like, let's do this. Yeah. This is exciting. We're all in it together. And it's like Which is why they got so angry for the people that didn't go along with it. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. It was kind of like you were telling when we had the fires, like just telling people, like, go back to your house. I don't have a house anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the the most terrifying part was how easy everyone just went along with it. I remember being surprised. I'm like, it, it just, like, you've given no, been given no information that this is yeah. justified. You don't want to think about this? Yeah, no one's, like, questioning it. I remember, like, driving around, there's, like, no one on the roads. Mm-hmm. It was, like, one in three cars was someone I knew. <laughs> I was just like, hey, like, you're not buying this shit either, right? And then you start to look at, like, how incongruent the behavior was, Right. It's going, um, you know, people just shrug like, well, they're in charge and they said stay home, so I will. And it's a public health emergency and you're not allowed to go outside to exercise for a public health emergency. They will give you a free Krispy Kreme donut if you take this shot. It's just like you're the guy that goes, hey, there's a blue van. Let's get in that thing. (laughs) Maybe they can give us a ride somewhere. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, yeah. So, Morrison, you're already hitchhiking. Like, you're. <laughs> well, that was the 70s. <laughs> I know, but still. But you think in the 70s, everyone was just like, yeah, no, you should hitchhike. Darling, why don't you come home uh, for Thanksgiving? You can hitchhike here. Right. You know, that'll be a good way to get yeah, here. That nice Bundy boy can give you a ride. Yeah, there's, there's no parents that ever said that in the 70s. <laughs> Fuck that. 
I don't buy that shit. That's just like the fucking... Never mind, I'll save it next time. Okay, but the most important thing, that the uh, reason why I bring this up, besides knowing the basics of the head box, you can drop it in on a first date or holiday dinner because it's an interesting <laughs> conversation starter, is because it is going to happen again. And oh, wine in a box. It, you know, the thing about boxes um, <laughs> that's really interesting... <laughs> Just force it into the next. This is good wine. This is not a Red Bluff. Oh no, Napa Valley. Funny thing about Red Bluff. <laughs> <laughs> is that another pandemic is going to happen? The template has been laid, and it was shockingly easy, which was mm-hmm. my kind of guess, which is conjecture. But I think, I think the psychopaths and the authoritarians and the cathedral is there. Like, let's let's just try to just lock everything down, just shut down the schools, or shut down businesses. We can get people lose their jobs. We'll get all the cars off the road. And everyone just went like, oh, okay, uh, sounds good. And I think they're like, whoa, <laughs> we're going to have to like use the National Guard or something. But like everyone just like, man, these guys are way more subjugated than I actually thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're Which right. Which was the most terrifying part of, of the whole pandemic. Lock us down, lock us down. Whoa, take it easy. We're not quite that there yet. I mean, we'll get there. Jesus Christ. You gotta pretend like you don't like this. (laughs) We just blew all this money in Event 201, and now fucking look at this. (laughs) Deborah in accounting is gonna have my ass if you guys are fucking fighting back on this. Uh, Can't you do like a protest or something? (laughs) So, why do I think there will be another pandemic? Well, for starters, all the same leading voices during the last one, your Bill Gates or Anthony Fauci or Rochelle Walensky, the WHO, the CDC, are telling us that there will be one. So we can start with that. To which someone would ask, well, how could they predict there's going to be a virus? To which my answer would be, I'm like, well, I wouldn't lock down the entire world for a virus that has a survivability rate of 99.97% to begin with. So I would say that seems illogical on its face. Would you not agree? Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think they even need a virus or it could be just, you know, they were talking about potential lockdowns for monkeypox, which right. no one was at risk for. I think, yeah, we, we've established, I think on this podcast and, everyone else has on their podcasts that obviously COVID was not so dangerous that we needed a lockdown mm-hmm. society. I mean, the lockdowns are one of the easiest things to refute at this point. There's still people that are sticking to it. I know. Well, that's what we should have done. But you don't get canceled for saying that uh, lockdowns were yeah. ineffective and a waste of time and money and, right. and hurt people and hurt children. Um, they knew that COVID was as... It's not like they we we and we didn't find all this out later. At the beginning, right. we were all saying that this is stupid. We were all saying that COVID is actually very survivable. We were all saying that the vaccines were bullshit. But they went ahead and did that anyways. The experts, so called, told us that that was necessary. So yeah, it's it, the virus wasn't the point. The lockdowns were the point. Right. Well, how do you know that they're going to do another virus? It, it it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like the, the lockdown is that's coming. Point. Yeah. Again, that's the point. That's what we need to be. Anything that is attached to a lockdown, you should be very skeptical. Exactly. Of. Right, there's zero reason or uh, legal 
power that they have to do another lockdown. There's no reason. They don't have the power to do it. They shouldn't have done it in the first place. They should go to jail for it. So what you're predicting is, I believe you're right, is coming. There, This lockdown is coming. And just know that whatever reason they give you for it is bullshit right. to start with. There is no good reason. I, you can't even come up with a good reason for another lockdown. Don't get in the blue van. Correct. <laughs> the blue I, van is coming. <laughs> which is why I'm bringing this up. Uh, another line of evidence that we can look at, are you familiar with the Office of Pandemic Preparedness and Response? This was just quietly announced yes. this last week. Uh, this is being headed up by retired Air Force General Paul Fredericks, which now means that the Pentagon will be calling the shots over the next wave of lockdowns and mandates. Mm. Oh, it's a Pentagon office mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. so this gives i can't remember what bullshit reason they were giving but why would we need that because there's another pandemic coming yeah exactly they, they don't uh well they could just be coming up with uh, another way to waste our money but uh the pentagon <laughs> <laughs> chains the ones i can't account for three trillion dollars <laughs> they're just like missing i mean i'm just the last year i'm gonna leave that on the table <laughs> as a possibility <laughs> All right, let's get weird. Okay. Or, er, let's get weird, <laughs> er. <laughs> Are you familiar with Alice in Wonderland? Yes. And the saying, through the looking glass. Yes. Uh, are you familiar with what that means? Um, actually, no. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what part of the movie that, what happened in the movie. I know what it means in colloquial terms. What's that? Through the looking glass. Yeah. Oh, what does it mean? (laughs) (laughs) It's when you've gone to... I'm Matt. What's your name? (laughs) We should be recording this. (laughs) Oh, fuck. We are. Through the looking glass means that you've, like, gone over to the other universe, right? The other side. Like La La Land. Yeah. Opposite of what's expected by someone um, where things are not as expected. It's, you know, which is kind of the... I guess the central theme of Alice in Wonderland is just upside down world, or yeah. as we say, clown world. Doesn't down the rabbit hole uh, down the rabbit hole from that movie from that also? Movie too. Yeah. Do they not mean the same thing? I mean, in the movie, doesn't she go down the rabbit Locally, hole? Locally, it means two different things. Yes, but, correct. Yeah. But yeah, I guess I'd, I haven't seen the movie all the way through in quite a while. I remember myself using that phrase during the pandemic because you know, let's just take the COVID nonsense, like. We had these discussions where you're like, we're shutting down the world for a virus with a 99.97% survivability rate. Like We're shutting down schools for something that doesn't affect children. Like We're not going to allow people to go outside and exercise during a health crisis. And just like nothing made sense. And then it mm-hmm. started getting stranger and stranger and stranger. Six feet apart. You can go buy toilet paper, but you can't buy plants for your garden. You can come in the restaurant but you have to wear a mask. Unless you're sitting down. <laughs> when you're sitting down, you can take off the mask. But if you stand up to, I don't know, crack your back, mask has to come back on. We're yes. going to kick you out of here. You can get onto the plane if you wear a mask. If you're going to eat some peanuts, you can take the mask off, shoulder to shoulder to two other people who are also eating peanuts. Once you're down with those, pe- done with those peanuts, the mask needs to come on. Which, this, this goes back to like what we were just saying, like four years ago, if someone would explain it to me, I'm like, are you on drugs? Like what, what's wrong with your brain? Like why, <laughs> why would you say this? And 
80% of society was on board with this. Imagine the difficulty in explaining that I know. to someone. What about, stop saying what about. <laughs> I, it doesn't, I'm telling you, it just doesn't make sense. Right? Stop trying to actually understand it. Here's, here's a question that, let's talk about toilet paper for a second. Yes, let's. <laughs> Remember you couldn't get it anywhere? Yes. All of a sudden there's a toilet paper shortage. Yes. And you and I are in an industry where we rely on materials. <laughs> we rely on, on toilet, toilet paper. paper. <laughs> Big eaters. <laughs> a lot of Mexican food. There's porta potties all over every job site. <laughs> and, and we, you couldn't get materials. Right. I was like, uh, I remember two months I needed quarter inch drill bits. I had needed them from, you just couldn't get them. Right? Wow. And you'd just be out of things. You go yeah. to the, go to the stores and be out of whole things. And then remember, plywood was like hundred dollars a sheet, right? For half right. inch plywood, S- supply and demand. It was yeah. like ridiculous. And then you remember hearing about the like miles long row of ships, cargo ships, and like the Long Beach Harbor mm-hmm. and like all over. To, and what was the reason giving? Why couldn't we get anything? Uh, because of COVID. Well, and when COVID did what? Supply chain. It, it stopped the supply chain. Right. It stopped the supply chain. Which is a, just uh, how? So, so how did how did a virus stop a supply chain? So don't you worry well, about that. Well, funny you should ask. So we're talking about supply chain issues, which I take to be a logistical shipping and transportation issue. Is it not? Right. Uh, which is why California took the bold step of making every trucker have to um, throw away their old truck and buy a brand new one. <laughs> right. I wonder why all the businesses are leaving California. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember anyone asking the question at that time because of COVID and a little bit of you know we'll say eighty percent COVID, you know twenty percent Putin. I think it was at that time, and you know, these fluctuate depending on you know how much news you watched. But point being, we had these supply chain issues and we couldn't get basic essential needs that we needed, right? Because of transportation and logistical shipping issues. But at the same time, concurrently, at the same time, because of these shipping issues, the world's largest and most coordinated campaign was going on to get this new shot to every corner of the earth, every remote town, every remote country. So Mm -hmm. somehow we were able to pull that off but we weren't able to pull this other thing off. Well, it makes it easier when you have people uh, going into abandoned warehouses to develop <laughs> the shots to, to spread out. That you know. guy is a hero. It's a, it's a you know, silver BB approach. Just <laughs> Sir, what did you think you were doing here? It's like, I, are we not having supply chain issues? Just trying to do my part for America. He's like one of those old <laughs> Japanese soldiers that's still on the island, thinks it's World War II. <laughs> Beard down to his knees. <laughs> Body's dropping out there. <laughs> that goddamn drum ruining this world. <laughs> All right, sir, sir, it's 2023. Trump is in prison. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so back to Alice in Wonderland and through the looking glass. So you can eat, you can also like take it away. So remember at the same time, all the COVID nonsense that we hit plenty of times on here, right? And, um, but take it away from that. So, at the same time, we had the mostly peaceful protests. We had fiery, but mostly peaceful protests. We had four months of rampant rioting and crime sprees, and our politicians are calling it the summer of love, right? Uh, you have this, uh, if you don't take the shot, you'll be fired, unless you work for Pfizer or the federal government. 
we have public officials sitting in front of Congress saying they can't define what a woman is. We have men, women winning women's beauty pageants. We have potential nuclear war. We have Asians and Muslims are all of a sudden are white supremacists. <laughs> Cats and dogs living together. Cats and dogs <laughs> living together. We have grown men dressing in diapers saying they identify as an infant on the news. We have Kamala Harris saying that, oh, th well, this is from this week. Uh, Kamala Harris saying that we are possibly experiencing the greatest economy ever. And then the next day she came out and said, most Americans are $400 away from bankruptcy. So. She's amazing. Mm, yeah. And then we get into UFOs and alien invasions. Point being that while this COVID nonsense is going on, right, and the constant fear porn coming on from our corporate media, we're fed like the most absurd shit over and over and over. And it just, and every time that we go like, it, just, it can't get any crazier than this. And it just kept getting crazier. Like no, every story like topped the last one. Yeah. Where there was no, there was no more truth anymore. It was like straight, like, Orwell's 1984 became predictive programming at that point. Mm -hmm. You remember this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How could I forget? On, on the note of UFOs and alien evasions, I, I do want to say this is a great time to be alive because us conspiracy theorists are the ones telling normies, like, not, not, it, look, it's not aliens, man. <laughs> Just call, <laughs> calm the fuck Sorry, down. we all <laughs> want it to be aliens, down. but it's not. Do so, the math. And then you go, but since you brought it up, uh, on uh, yeah, the same day that former Hunter Biden associate uh, Devin Archer is announced he's going to testify in front of Congress, Congress that Joe Biden, also known as the big guy in the leaked emails, was on speakerphone on these extremely lucrative and multiple business dealings, using my finger quotes there, that all of a sudden we have an alien evasion. Does that timing seem at all peculiar to you? If it doesn't, then come on. What do you, you're not even trying. <laughs> Just come on. So this is where... Most people would ask if I brought this up at holiday dinner. What is I mean, that's happening? like one step away from just going, Ooh, look over there. Woo, uh, look at that. Look at that. What is that? Oh, uh, sir, we didn't see anything. No, I swear to God, I just saw something over there. Yeah, anyways, uh, next question. Got your news. <laughs> so this is, if you brought this up at holiday dinner, to go like, what does this have to do with Alice in Wonderland? Do I just say everything, brother, everything. We referenced the... MK Ultra programs earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And we often referenced the. Uh, whatever happened to our book club? <laughs> Still doing that? Oh yeah, we should start reading that book. <laughs> <laughs> I would point people to Poisoner in Chief by. Well, this ahead. is the problem with the book club. Okay. We picked books that half the people in the club had already read. Oh, that's not how it's supposed to work. I gotcha. You got to read them at the same time. Okay. In our spare time. So we got to find a book that no one has read yet? I think so. So like Twilight? I've oh yeah, I read that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Sailor! <laughs> so do you remember what the basics of MK Ultra were? Mm-hmm. Using LSD to mm -hmm. try to break people's brains enough that they could then be controlled. Kind of like if Headbox was a drug. I keep thinking about the head box and uh, this hooker guy thinking that he did a way better job. I think that they really kind of 
and I don't know all the details of MK Ultra, but I don't think they did nearly as good a job with mind control as he did. But I don't really know. Maybe there's people out there that are being controlled. Funny you should bring that up. So, yeah, so you're right. What they're trying to achieve was trauma-based mind control. It's like we just need to just blast this guy's mind and then rebuild him in our imagery so we can make a, whatever, a Manchurian candidate mm-hmm. or a sex slave. <laughs> <laughs> whichever is needed at the moment. Yeah, whichever is needed, you know, each their own. And so when you have, you see the CIA, what they did learn during the MK Ultra is to answer the previous question was the answer is yes, you can control someone's mind eventually, given that they receive the right amount of trauma for which they can withstand, which varies from like person to person, mm-hmm. right? And think about this in just a very low grade sense of like a psychological operation, which was what MK Ultra was. It's like what, at what point, take COVID, at what point. Does someone break? You guys need to stay home. All right. You need to, you can't go to work anymore. Okay. Your kids aren't in school. All right. You just broke me. Like now, fuck this. Like, no, my kid needs to be in school. Right. Some people don't break at all. You know, according to the narrative from the company to refer back to the head mm-hmm. box is some people, they just, I'm not going to question this ever. They don't have the skepticism gene. People like you and I and our friends, it's like on the second day, you're like, oh, f- fuck this. Like, this is stupid. Like, I, 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 don't trust, I don't trust these people on any other subject. Like, why would I trust them now? Like, I don't need to be told by Gavin Newsom whether I can go to work or not. Right? Yeah. And that's when you get into the PSYOP and the psychology of like what. So you ask the question, this unfortunate prisoner in the head box was like, did she just break that early? It took a year. And she was like a compliant, subjugated slave at that point where they could let her like go for a jog. And she'd go for a jog, come home, go back to her parents and stay for the weekend and go back there and get back in the head box and sleep in a box under the bed. Whereas like people, you and I going like, I know you'd have to kill me. Like, I, there's no way I would do that. I mean, we don't really know until we're put in that situation. You think men are more resilient? Being a sex slave? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it's interesting to read about the MK Ultra stuff and the stuff with the CIA and then to contrast it with Cameron Hooker and the the head box cuz when you go you look at the innovator and you know inventor of the head box Cameron Hooker he missed his calling. He probably should have joined the CIA. Well, I was thinking that while you're telling the story, like, where did this guy come from yes. that he was able to develop this program that worked so well? Was he CIA? No, he was a woodworker. That's I mean, it? Yeah. Huh. And so what, what the CIA learned during MKUltra is that you can break someone to such an extent, extent that they will comply to just about anything. Complete subjugation, no problem. And this is why I laugh at when they say, well, you know, the MK Ultra program was disbanded in 1973 because they wrote a handbook for interrogation and torture. And it was the exact same techniques used in, as you brought up earlier, Guantanamo Bay. Mm-hmm. It's like they're doing, it's, it's sleep deprivation, sensory deprivation, uh, physical torture, you know, it, all social isolation, everything. 
It's like the CIA, actually, you can read this handbook. It's actually online. Do you ever think that the, um, if you could talk to the people in medieval Europe who were tortured <sighs> and told them about the torture that we do now, that they would just be like, oh, you, you got to be kidding me. You call that torture? <laughs> I just heard the story about the Knights of the Templar who were tortured to the point, they were tortured by the king of France to say that they were devil worshippers and that they they were anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. And then they got released, and the Pope said, uh, wait a second, you guys are supposed to be working for me. What's up with that? I They all recanted their, their testimony mm-hmm. that they gave under torture, yeah. under duress, right? Right. So they were all forgiven, mm-hmm. right? So the king of France... T- Kidnapped, captured them all again, retortured them oh, again until the point where they then reconfessed to being devil worshippers. Then he burned them all alive at the stake. Yeah. Now that's some fucking torture. <laughs> <laughs> fucking I, sleep deprivation. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> you know, one of those kids has sleep deprivation. Exactly. <laughs> I always knew my kid was CIA. <laughs> the uh, I went to the torture museum in Amsterdam. Yeah, it, it, where they have all the oh, boy. how was that? That was that was rough, dude. Really? <laughs> yeah, Coming was... from you, it had to be <laughs> <laughs> pretty rough. So this handbook that the CIA wrote it outlines all the techniques that the CIA, I guess, they found useful in trying to control someone and cause forced behavioral modifications. And they found out that the techniques laid out in this handbook would create a progression in people's minds that would send them into a more infantile state. Or free to the guy in the diaper refers <laughs> to as an infant. Mm-hmm. Probably CIA. And once you begin this regression, the CIA found, you know, according to these documents, that the person who holds, quote, authority over the person's freedom, social isolation becomes linked in the subject mind with the reward of lessening anxiety and regaining access to human contact. I thought this was a really fucking interesting mm. detail because this would explain the Stockholm syndrome, the people that were yeah. kept in the bolt or the unfortunate hitchhiker that ended up in the head box or the person that you see midway through the pandemic with a Fauci 2024 sticker on her car. Take a wild guess what the car was, by the way. There's only two um, things that could be. I, I always get it wrong. Uh, Prius? Yep. Oh, thank God. <laughs> is I remember seeing that sticker. I'm like, this is before like I started you know, connecting these dots. I'm like, it's just there's something wrong with that person's brain. The, the, and she had the mask on in the car with the Fauci 24. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy is keeping her kids out of school. He's locked all, he's responsible. He's the mouthpiece. He's the face of this movement that's ruined businesses, ruined people's lives, keeping people locked in their house. And this person, once you were like, read these psychological studies, I was like, this makes, so, this makes so much sense. Like, you have made this connection with the person who has subjugated with you and obliterated your reality so much so to the extent that you start you start this weird like captor worship of them. Yeah, where your your new biggest fear becomes being isolated from them. Yeah, because they are how, the, they how much are, they are the gatekeeper to what your new reality is. Yeah, and your mind works in such a way you're 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 so feeble minded and psychologically frail. That, it, that that's all it took was a couple of news conferences, for example, yeah. for you to. You just needed someone away. of perceived authority to be like, well, you either need to wear a mask or you could be like one of those 
Trump supporters right. who think this is all bullshit. This is so funny. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I wonder at this point, because I was working on all this stuff, and then like I think about the ritualistic theater, and I'm like, well, the most obvious one is the mask, right? Mm-hmm. Is I had this, <laughs> and my in, internal... What do we decide, monologue or dialogue? I, I do both. Mm, yeah, it depends. So depends on the conversation. I had someone ask me, like, why do you think someone still wears masks? And in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, I think it's a combination of things. I think, number one, it's people are, as just referring to earlier, are so psychologically frail and just ridden with anxiety and depression and fear that a little thing like COVID will just break their brain so easily. They, that was just a little push over the cliff that they needed and they just, they can't let go. I think it also has to do that people feel that they have no power, like no role within the power hierarchy. And this is something that they have control over. So we call it the locus of control. And that's when you get into the mass formation psychosis. It's like, well, there's this weird abstract thing out here that is allegedly killing all these people. I can't do anything about it. I can do I can do something about this. I can control whether we're a mask or not. And I feel like I have some semblance of control. And what you're saying earlier is like, I think it's also just a political statement. Well, and that fear of being isolated from your group. Yeah. yeah. So think about this within the context of the last three years. So, and this is in the CIA handbook is we have weaponizing fear, right? We have social isolation. This is how you break someone. And you have sensory deprivation. And then put that within the context of masks and lockdowns and school closures and your new reality being entirely on Zoom. And we have one last thing. It's called the Alice in Wonderland tactic. You're familiar with this a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. I think so, where you just... Do you want me to ruin it and try to guess? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Where you just make everyone's reality into as big of a clown world just shit show that you possibly can right. so that people just will start to buy just about anything. Yeah. This is from the counterintelligence interrogation. Uh, the CIA torture guide is <laughs> from July 1963, which would be during the MK Ultra program. The aim of the Alice in, Wonderland, Alice in Wonderland tactic or confusion technique is to confound the expectations and conditioned reactions of the interrogatee or in its current mainstream application to force the controlled narrative onto an unsuspecting public through the use of psychological operations. It's what you do is you just destroy someone's version of reality and replace it with the absurd. So much so, mm-hmm. and if you do this on a constant basis, it's mentally intolerable for that for that person to withstand this. So much so that you are willing to accept like anything as like a reality at that point. You know, it's a good analogy. If you put glasses on someone's head that reverse the image, like flip the world upside down, right. eventually their brain will correct mm-hmm. and flip it back over. Interesting. So that they see it yes. the correct way. Yeah. So your brain needs to see Perfect the reality. Analogy. Perfect in, analogy. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be able to see the reality and make sense of it in a way that that they can that they can deal with. And this is why we're saying like, how many times in the last four years did we hear like a politician say something? And we're like, I, if you were to tell me this four years ago, like I would think like I, I'm living in like some alternate reality, right? Someone in Congress going like, I can't define what a woman is. Like, you can't, and you're in political power, like, that's insane. 
If you mm-hmm. were to tell me that like five years ago, or a man wins a women's beauty pageant, right? Or like you, you know, Asians are white supremacists. You'd be like, "The fuck are you talking about? Are you having a stroke right now? Like, is your brain not like you know firing correctly?" Mm-hmm. And like here now, we're so used to this absurdity, this Alice in Wonderland tactic. Like, it's just we're like we, now we're preconditioned for like I. You could say anything at this point. Like, yeah, we're having alien invasion, and everyone just shrugs. Like, yeah, well, you know, what are you gonna do? It's it's mind blowing when you look at how this works psychologically and that this was written in 1963 by the CIA was actually the techniques used in the MK ultra programs. And then again, in Guantanamo Bay. And I mean, those are probably the only two (laughs) (laughs) time to try it out. But if you take, if you extrapolate those same techniques and the way they work and you apply them across an entire society, it makes so much of this stuff make sense. All that COVID stuff that like none of it made sense at all. You're like, uh, now I get it. They're they're breaking people. They're breaking their will, and some of us buy into it, and some of us don't. And it, it explains the psychology of like how this works on some people and how it doesn't work on others, which is what I think we've seen. Yeah, right. Yeah, our version of that is that we hear there's an alien attack. We don't just take it for granted, but we. There's nothing that we couldn't hear that we wouldn't be like, yeah, well, I mean, they'll say just about anything at this point. I'm not, you know, just, <laughs> everything's bullshit. So when we see this bizarre behavior around us and how people are, acted during the pandemic and how they're going to act in pandemic two, electric boogaloo, we need to tap into that pattern recognition and you know, realize that these are the symptoms of a low-grade constant and coordinated psychological operation is being conducted and has been going on for quite some time and they are seeking to break people's brains that will result in a forced you know the forced behavioral modification that they are seeking or to put it more concisely think about it like this weaponized fear resulting in subjugation and compliance which that's the end goal for these fucking psychopaths so when we start hearing the chatter there's this new deadly pathogen it seems to be start spreading all of a sudden around the world, and we need to do whatever it takes to slow the spread. Think of this. Here comes that blue van down the street. Raise your hand.